you want a terrorist moving in next door to you? Do you want to be sitting at a restaurant and suddenly be sprayed and splattered by bullets? Do you want a president who won't even say the words radical Islamic terrorism? No! Oh my God, I said it. How can we defeat our enemy if we won't even name our enemy? These are important things for you to be thinking about now that the presidential election is essentially uh, on the way. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist, and I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You need to make fighting terrorism your number one priority when it comes to deciding who you're going to vote for for president. We now have two presumptive presidential candidates, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. The noise has decreased. There aren't so many candidates trying to get your attention, trying to tell you what they'll do or won't do. So now you can concentrate on just two. Well, here's a clue. Unfortunately, we had an attack in Israel in Tel Aviv on June 8th, and the response from the Israeli government to the terrorist attack gives you the clue on who to vote for. Let's first talk about what went on in Israel. On June 8th, in a restaurant um, in the midst of a very popular area in Tel Aviv, it's called the Sorona Market, there occurred one of the deadliest attacks in an eight-month wave of violence. Two suspects who came into the restaurant disguised as ultra-Orthodox Jews sat down, ordered something, and then suddenly started spraying the other patrons with bullets. They wound up killing four people and injuring more. There were 13 uh, people who were wounded by gunshot. Four of them are still in the hospital. The uh, One of the uh, suspects became wounded as well when the uh, police came. And um, it was just a horrendous, horrendous scene. First of all, the place that they uh, attacked was um, a very popular tourist spot, which of course was, I'm sure, one of the reasons why they picked it. And it also was across the street from Israel's military headquarters. So soldiers in uniform also very frequently came into this restaurant. Again, another reason why they chose this spot. Very brazen, a very brazen attack. Um, the, uh, you know, it was very sudden. And what was really sad was that um, the people who were there, the, the especially the, well, a lot of the people who were there were, you know, they were having a good time. They were um, not anticipating uh, what just happened. And um, they were, one of them, people who died was celebrating a birthday, for example. Another one was waiting for her fiance. Another one was a man who was um, a university professor in Israel. Uh, another one was an executive with Coca-Cola and had been in the IDF. 
I mean, these were people who never did anything bad to terrorists, uh, to these two Palestinians who killed them. And so what was the response to, um, to this attack? The response was that the Israeli government, well, first of all, they um, went to Yada, which was um, the, the hometown of the two uh, attackers, the two terrorists. It was in, on the West Bank. And they found um, a third Palestinian who was an accomplice of the two who were in the restaurant. So, of course, he is now in custody. So they then revoked entry permits for over 83,000 Palestinians who, to visit relatives in Israel during Ramadan. 83,000 people. How could they possibly allow 83,000 people to come in as planned, you know, as they were going to, when there's no way of trusting how many of them are planning to attack? They also revoked work permits for 204 of the attacker's relatives. Now, you know, 204 relatives, well, they are, they are um, uh, as fertile as bunnies. Um, and they, uh, an army blockaded their West Bank hometown. Um, and also the... Israeli government is sending two additional battalions, which means hundreds more troops uh, into the West Bank. Now, they also increased their original plans, their original reaction, and now they are temporarily barring Palestinians, all Palestinians, crossing from the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, except for what's considered medical and humanitarian cases. And this temporary barring of all Palestinians is at least until um, Sunday evening, Sunday at midnight. Now, whom does that sound like? Who does that sound like uh, in our country? Amongst the, the presidential candidates who we have heard over these months, who does this most sound like? Obviously, it's like Trump. And people, so many people reacted, you know, that so terribly, oh, that's so politically incorrect to consider barring Muslims until the United States uh, has a better way of screening Muslims. I mean, of course, ignoring the fact that it was our lax screening of Muslims that allowed in the terrorists um, who were involved in the San Bernardino, California attack. Now, since October, there have been over 207 uh, Palestinians who have been killed, and mainly um, during their attacking Israelis with knives, guns, and car rammings. There were 32 Israelis who have been killed and two Americans who were visiting Israel. All these uh, killed since October. Some of the Palestinians were also killed in clashes with security or by Israeli airstrikes. Now, um, you know, this was a quite a swift, bold, uh, and smart reaction to the uh, recent, most recent Tel Aviv attack. And, um, you know, some might think that this was 
an overreaction or a, um, you know, certainly not politically correct. Um, but at the same time, that is uh, the only way to protect the citizens. I mean, this is um, Ramadan is coming up is is and and that's why the people that's why there were so many thousands particularly who were coming in at this time and um in fact they um there was a promise let me see um a hamas official called it called the attack in tel aviv a heroic operation um they issued an, an official statement promising quote zionists unquote more quote surprises unquote during the muslim holy month of ramadan so i mean they're they're telling us um that they are planning to indeed have more attacks uh during this month and of course you know with so many people more people than usual even palestinians coming in uh for this holy month um it makes the the uh, security issue much harder, the protection of Israeli citizens much harder. Um, let me tell you about these attackers, so lest you feel too sympathetic. The father of one of the suspects told uh, NBC News that his son, Khalid, a 21-year-old engineering student at the University of Jordan, had left the house saying he was going to get a laptop fixed. When he hadn't returned late into the evening, Mohammed Musa Makhamra called his son's cell phone but got no answer. I was shocked to hear in the media and the internet and to see the name of my son, see that he is one of the attackers, the 49-year-old lawyer said. Now, isn't this interesting? The father of one of the attackers is a lawyer, a well-educated man. Even the son, Khalid, one of the suspects, I mean suspects, they have video of him. It's hard to call him a suspect. I mean, it's hard to say that uh, he's alleged to have been an attacker when he's right there in the video. But anyhow, he's an engineering student at the university. Um, he was willing to risk I mean, again, he was also well-educated, and he was willing to risk uh, everything that he had achieved at that point to commit this attack. I mean, surely he, he knew that it was unlikely that he was going to get out of that unscathed. I mean, perhaps it was the promise of the 72 virgins if he was killed in the attack. Then they interviewed the father of the second suspect. He told Reuters that he was also surprised at hearing the news. He said, I didn't expect this of him. I don't know what pushed him to do this. Who organized this with him? I have no idea, said Ahmed Makhamra. The boy is a worker. He does not have any political leanings. Well, like, duh, obviously there was some reason why he did this. Um, and the older brother of one of these uh, attackers said that he was proud of his brother. So, I mean, is it, you know, it could well be that the fathers are just pretending that they had no idea, or if they really did have no idea, then, you know, that could be part of the reason why their sons did what they did. Perhaps if they gave their sons more love and attention when the sons were growing up, they wouldn't feel so uh, desperate to get this notoriety. And they would have been told, um, given some other values to believe in. Then the um, 
the government officials in Israel, the newly appointed defense minister, Avigador Lieberman, a no known relation, however, <laughs> I would like to believe that we, it would seem that we're related in some family tree. I just haven't figured that out yet. Anyway, he visited the site. He expressed his condolences to the families of the victims. And he said, I'm not going to speak and elaborate uh, on what are the steps we intend to take, but I'm sure I'm not going to settle for just talking. Now, remember that because I'm going to be telling you in a minute about Hillary and her views on terrorism, which are essentially just talking. She talks a lot and she says nothing. Um, and then Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu um, toured the area, of course, and described it as cold-blooded murder. And when you see him in videos uh, about his speech, you know, when he was interviewed, right, at the scene, um, you know, you can tell how moved he was by the by what happened and how he certainly had a strong resolve as um, as then seen in what the government did, the, the steps that they took to do something to um, uh, to try to protect everyone else in Israel. Now, one of the one of the interesting stories that have, has just come out is that one of the uh, two terrorists um, was inadvertently welcomed or into the home of an Israeli police officer who was off duty. There were um, some people who this police officer came upon, and he thought that um, they were victims uh, of the shooting, not, not wounded, but that they had been at the restaurant or near the scene. And including this one um, terrorist, one of the two terrorists, and he, he thought that he was just in shock. And then this policeman went to the scene of the restaurant of the shooting, and he saw how the second terrorist was dressed as an Orthodox, an ultra-Orthodox Jew. And he realized that that was what, how the man was dressed, who he had just welcomed into his home. In fact, he had his family there in the home. Here he was trying to be um, a good citizen, you know, trying to be helpful to these people who seemed like victims, at least uh, shell-shocked victims, you know, if not wounded. And in fact, he invited a terrorist into his home, unbeknownst to him. So what does this show? The, 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 um, this all goes back to why you should make fighting terrorism your number one priority when it comes to deciding who to vote for for president. Now, before I get into uh, the two candidates in more detail, um, let me tell you how, you know, why I feel this whole incident um, is personal. First of all, I'm Jewish. I've traveled to Israel. Uh, I have, in fact, sat in cafes in this same area in Tel Aviv where the terrorist attack took place. I don't remember if it was the specific restaurant, but it was right in that, you know, popular uh, tourist area. In fact, I went to a couple of places there. I spent hours there. And so it feels really personal. Um, I, I, I also had my daughter, Bas Mitzvah, in Israel, uh, in, at Masada, and, um, the, and I'm on the board of directors of the Los Angeles chapter of uh, American Friends of Magenda Viradon, which is the charity that provides ambulances and blood to Israel. 
So obviously, uh, it has hit home in many different ways, and I feel extremely angry about the attack. Um, I don't want good people to die. These people who were the victims, the, the, who were killed, were incredibly good, and um, people who had, uh, who would have continued to live a good life and, and uh, do important things um, between being parents and university professors and so on. And I want to be able to return to Israel and not be afraid of sitting in a cafe in Tel Aviv or any place else in Israel. So let's look at who we, we have uh, going for us here in terms of potential presidents. Um, Trump, obviously, is the one who has the stronger stance on terrorism. Uh, he has said it is not necessarily... Uh, it's not this for his supporters. It's not necessarily loyal to me. It's loyal to the country. They want great security. They want great military. They want to take care of their vets. They want a border. They want a wall. Now, the wall with Mexico isn't just about, um, you know, issues with Mexicans who, yes, he had called, well, you know, after a Mexican had killed a woman in San Francisco, um, that spurred him to talk about the number of Mexicans who have come into this country illegally and have committed crimes. But primarily, it's also to, the wall is also to make our southern border less permeable to terrorists. It's not just about Mexicans, illegal Mexicans. So, of course, the most notable thing that Trump has said in terms of terrorism is that he wants a temporary ban on Muslim immigration until the U.S. has better, a better screening process. And um, considering, you know, what Israel just did, um, I mean, that is, that ha that is a, a required um, response when you have people coming into the country who have expressed um, or belong to a group that has expressed uh, a, an absolute intention to kill, in this case, to kill Westerners, whether it's, you know, Israelis or to kill Americans um, to, or to kill Western Europe, Europeans. Uh, I mean, it's not like a surprise. It's not like they haven't made their intentions really clear. So there there is, that seems like the correct response. In fact, Trump has gone further than that. When he was asked after the terror attack in Brussels, he was asked about whether he would use nuclear retaliation. And he said, well, I'm never going to rule anything out. And I wouldn't want to say, even if I felt it wasn't going, I wouldn't want to tell you that because at a minimum, I want them to think that maybe we would use it. The fact is that we need unpredictability. When you ask a question like that, it's a very, it's, it is a very sad thing to have to answer it because the enemy is watching and I have a very good chance of winning. I frankly don't want the enemy to know how I'm thinking. But with that being said, I don't rule out anything. I mean, yes, when, when these candidates get interviewed um, in the media, you know, what, if they say, oh, I would never use a nuclear bomb, I mean, well, hey, Iran is building up theirs, North Korea is building up theirs, um, so if they heard that the uh, likely or a potential American president is not planning on, on using nuclear war, what does that tell them? It gives them the green light. Um, Trump has also emphasized that terrorists 
are winning and we don't do anything about it. He said, we're worried about laws and we can't waterboard, and yet they are chopping off heads and drowning people in steel cages. And he said, uh, Muslims in the Middle East do not respect us. I mean, this is all true. You can't really argue with this. So what, um, what does Hillary say about terrorism? What's her stance on terrorism? She, it's words, words, words. She says, the most important job of the president is to keep Americans safe. That means standing up to aggressors around the world and defeating global terrorism by depriving ISIS of physical and virtual territory. I'll dismantle the global terror networks that supply terrorists and toughen our defenses at home against both external and homegrown threats. Really? What does that mean? What are you going to do? <coughs> she also said, "We and she repeats, she keeps repeating this, we have to have a concerted effort that brings to bear both domestic resources, sharing of intelligence, take a hard look at airport security. What does that even mean? I mean, those words sound good, but she's not really saying anything. It's just a lot of words. And something just came out recently, you know, with the release of um, newly released State Department emails. They, um, they uh, came out with something that showed that a major Clinton donor with no experience in security, terrorism, anything related to terrorism, was selected to be on an international intelligence advisory board. He was a stock trader, um, and he, his specialty was in computer-generated stock trading. So the idea was supposed to be that he was an expert in, um, in the Internet. <laughs> his name was Rajiv Fernando. And he uh, donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to Hillary's 2008 presidential primary campaign and to the Wild William Clinton Fund. That's his, that's his uh, expertise, how to donate money, which he got by being a stock trader. <laughs> so C Clinton says all these words that really don't mean anything. And um, you can't just talk and make nice-nice to terrorists well, they're chopping off heads, shooting people, and, um, and, and planning all kinds of additional attacks. So there was a, a poll that was taken um, recently by Fox News right before the Egypt Air um, number 804 disappeared. And it found that voters trusted Trump to do a better job than Clinton on terrorism, beating her 52% to 40%. But then the same group gave Clinton better marks on foreign policy, 52% to 42%. Well, you know, that's very nice. She's, she's smart. She's a good talker. Of course, Trump is really smart, too, and he gets it. You know, in addition to being um, educationally smart, Trump is also street smart in the sense that he gets, you know, he's more savvy than Clinton. Um, and he's not afraid to call a spade a spade. Like, for example, when Egypt Air 804 disappeared. Trump was the first one to say, um, well, before Clinton, um, as soon as his reaction to the plane's disappearance came early at 627 a.m. on Twitter, he called it a terrorist attack. And those of you who follow me on Twitter know that I called it a terrorist attack right away, too. Um, but I'm not running for president, so you don't have to vote for me. <laughs> uh, Hillary waited 
you know, do the politically correct thing, sit and wait, sit and think. Meanwhile, the terrorists are acting. Um, she waited until after officials began saying that terrorism was a working theory. She, you know, and again, she repeated her policy, wordy, 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 of um, we have to take a concerted effort. I mean, really, <laughs> concerted effort while the terrorists are shooting at us. So to me, it's um, a no-brainer. And you really need when you're, you know, there are all kinds of other issues on the ballot, but there is no issue that is more important than terrorism. Who is going to protect us more against terrorism? Because no matter what else there is on the ballot, um, you know, other issues that are important and so on, there are lots of things that are important. But if you're not protected from terrorism, if you're dead, <laughs> you don't have to worry about all these other issues. So I would suggest that you put terrorism first. Now, I know what you're thinking. Because I'm Jewish, I think Israel is great and everything they do is right. And um, you're thinking that sometimes Trump seems too aggressive and angry and so on. And it's scary. You want to feel safe from terrorism, but you don't want World War III. However, what we have to face is that it is not up to us completely. It is not totally up to us whether there's a World War III, there are people out there called terrorists who are looking to bring about essentially a World War III, whether we like it or not. Now, here's a letter um, that I got from the, uh, this is the Ask the Terrorist Therapist section of the podcast where I answer your letters and emails. And I have a letter from Sarah. She writes, I like Trump's idea of being tough on terrorism, but sometimes he can be emotionally erratic. I'm scared of him having his finger on the nuclear button, so I'm not sure who to vote for. Help, Sarah. Well, of course, that's what, you know, a lot of people are saying, that sometimes he seems volatile and so on. Um, but Trump, first of all, he doesn't want to die. You know, people call him a narcissist sometimes. And um, narcissists do not want to die. <laughs> um, and, and they don't want their family to die either. So um, when it comes to something as important as pushing the nuclear button, he has very personal reasons to not want to do that. Uh, but also think about it. When he has seemed volatile, he, he has been fighting 16 major rivals just to get the Republican uh, nomination to be the Republican candidate. It got, he was being attacked from all sides. I mean, I, I think that um, in some ways it was harder uh, than, and more stressful than being president because when he gets to be president, he's going, he knows enough. I mean, he's proven this for from all his businesses I mean, he doesn't know everything about all the businesses that he's the head of, that he sits on top of, um, but he knows how to pick the best people to be in those spots. And for him, it's not going to be the person who donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to his campaign. It's going to be the person who is really the best person that comes for uh, in regard to security and every other aspect of, go of, of government. So he's going to be gathering around him all these smart people who know their stuff about all the different issues. 
And when he's president, he's going to consider their input before making any big decisions, just like he's done in his businesses. And he's been extremely successful in that. So I don't think you have to worry about um, him getting angry at uh, uh, Putin, for example, and, and you know, just running into the room or into his attache case and get, grabbing his attache case and pushing the button. And, you know, that's another thing. It's so interesting that Putin and uh, the leader of North Korea um, both have come out and said positive things about it now about him. Now people say, well, that's because they want him to be president so that they can have an easier time. Well, there's nobody who's having an easier time than um, the leaders of the other countries versus Obama. Obama has done the most to bring this country down and make it the most vulnerable to terrorists. In fact, um, we wouldn't be in this predicament at this point where we would have to say that the most important issue in choosing a president is who's going to be toughest on terror if it weren't for Obama and his bowing literally to terrorists. So um, you need, bottom line, to make fighting terrorism your number one priority when it comes to deciding who to vote for for president and think about, I mean, the Israeli attack, this, this attack and the reaction of the Israeli government has made it clear as to what the right thing to do is. And Trump already, <laughs> maybe they're copying Trump, he already made it clear as to what to do. And, and it was quite similar to what the Israeli government is doing. I'm your terrorist therapist, Dr. Carroll. Uh, again, I'm hoping that I put another aspect of terrorism on the couch to examine, taking the monster out from under the bed, putting him on my couch, and helping you to understand um, how to think and how to feel a little bit more in control. Again, my book is coming out this summer. Um, it's for parents and families and teachers, and uh, it's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. <laughs>